Welcome to Answer the Call podcast with me, your host, Emily Gallagher, entrepreneur, activist, and business strategist over at Conscious Boss. Each week, I will be sharing with you conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and game changers as they share when and how they answered the call in their life and how you can too. So today on the podcast, we have my beautiful friend, soul sister, and just all around amazing human, Libby Crow, as we dive into how she answered many of the calls that she's answered in her life to create a beautiful business, a thriving relationship, and just a life that feels deliciously abundant and spacious, as well as supporting thousands of other entrepreneurs to create this success. It's a really juicy conversation that I really know that you will get so much value from. We speak about advice that she has for entrepreneurs to start their businesses, the power of philanthropy and the things that are really moving her forward in this space right now, Um, how to recreate and redefine your identity, how to create success on your terms, what she's really most grateful for right now, how and when she started listening to that call, and also how you can also implement this in your life to answer the many calls that you might be receiving right now in terms of what it is that you're looking to create in your life. It was juicy and soulful and full of lots of actionable tips and strategies for you to dive into to build not just a business, but a life that you really, really feel lit up by. And in terms of Libby, apart from being just a beautiful human sparkler and friend, Libby Crow is a global mentor for entrepreneurs, helping them grow their businesses and their minds. She is the founder of Alsea International, a marketing strategy company for digital consultants and the co-founder of The Daily Shift, a personal development company for aspiring and accomplished entrepreneurs alike. She's dedicated to helping entrepreneurs see the journey as a bridge to raising the vibration of the planet and then later as a portal for giving back philanthropically. So obviously, you know, she's my girl. I'm all about all of that. So I know this is a really juicy conversation for you if you're an entrepreneur, a budding or aspiring entrepreneur, or just looking to answer the call of your heart in your life right now to create success in a way that is meaningful for you. So I hope that you enjoy the conversation and uh, let's get into it. Okay, so welcome to Answer the Call podcast. And today I am blessed, excited, curious, open, and just like so grateful to be able to share this beautiful star shining girl with you today. So we have the glorious Libby Crow with us. And for those of you that maybe haven't uh, interacted with this one on social or in real life, let me just tell you, she is one of the most just delicious, open, bubbly, kind, humble, generous souls that I know. And I'm so grateful to have connected with her a little more deeply this year and to call her a sister and a, and a you know, someone that I could uh, walk this path with uh, of service, of contribution, of life. She's so playful and delicious. And I'm just really excited to have you on the show today, Libs. I'm so happy to be here, Em. Thank you. We're going to have so much fun. So much fun. Always. That's what we do. So you are obviously a powerhouse in business. You work with entrepreneurs, supporting them in scaling their marketing, their business, setting up systems so that they can create thriving, you know, not just businesses, but also uh, lives, which I think is a really important topic that we can probably hit on is uh, the importance of having both. You also have an amazing business with your husband, Scott, that you started in terms of mindset shifts for entrepreneurs. So you do definitely kind of live and breathe business. And I also know that you you know, are experiencing shifts and changes in terms of what's calling your heart and your soul um, in this new stage of life. But 
you know, the show is all about talking about answering the call, right? This call that we have in our souls and our hearts that I really truly believe that we get called forward by life. And I'd love for you to maybe speak into, you know, maybe when it was that you started answering the call in your own life, like maybe it was your entrepreneurial call that started you listening to your intuition and, and pulling you towards a life that you've created now, which is so magical with, with a beautiful husband, a beautiful relationship, you know, beautiful life that you've created you know you've really I believe honored that internal call to create that Uh, maybe you can sort of speak into maybe when that first started happening for you or maybe when you first started listening yeah absolutely I think that for me my very first dose of oh I have an inner compass I have intuition I have inner guidance (laughs) I I wasn't really you know familiar with that concept even until Uh, seven years ago when my dad passed away, it's almost like this Mm. death created an opening in my heart. And and I almost like Mm. moved, it just whipped me out of this more thinking brain, cerebral doer to like, whoa, I have these deep feelings and emotionality. And and that kind of opened me up to spirituality and to um, my evolutionary path, which then led me to entrepreneurship. But I would say that these first kind of months after his passing was when I started to be able to feel and connect more with a depth of myself. And that's when I, mm-hmm. I would say my intuition turned on and I, I started, you know, people call it, I became more awake. I just started to notice. I was like, wow, I have all yeah. these feelings that I've been just mm-hmm. shoving down almost like a beach ball underwater mm-hmm. because I needed to survive. I needed to make money. I was a teacher at the time. I taught first and second grade and I needed to just buck up and show up for the kids. And my whole life, it was like achiever, doer, excellent success, Mm -hmm. do the path, do the right thing. So it was almost like it broke open this identity and this um, perfectionist and this, this, I don't know, person that's just kind of relating their worth to what they accomplished to my soul. And I would say that was the first dose of, whoa, I have an intuition and I have these inner feelings and this is a lot. And so it was kind of painful at first when when I realized that I had this guidance. So that was the first dose. Yes. Oh my God. I love you. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you shared that it was potentially a little painful, you know, because I think that sometimes, yeah. you know, and, and, and honestly, <laughs> there's so many things that you just shared in there that we could go down, like worth relating to what you create and perfectionist and the doing and, and how, you know, intense that can be to live life that way. Uh, and I know you've shifted out a lot of that and so have I, but that's also a challenge, um, but also really powerful to bring into the space. But I think it's really, it's, it's, it's worth noting that these transitions and actually sort of drawing that line in the sand to answer that call, to notice those feelings, to listen to that intuition doesn't necessarily mean like rainbows are going to come out of the sky and everything's going to line up, right? It's like, oh, wow, it might be that pain of actually realizing that what you have created isn't what you truly desire. So tell us a little bit about, because I think as well, you know, intuition is something that is very personal um, and even noticing, like what were some of the things that you, I mean, you mentioned noticing different emotions and things like that. Mm -hmm. What were some of those next steps? And I think, you know, that's something that you and I share as well in terms of we both lost our dad around about the same time. Um, And I think that is such a gateway to really understanding that life needs to mean more because you understand how short that it can be. So what were some of those next steps once you sort of realized 
oh, this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't where I want to be. Um, how did you kind of go about actually answering that call and, and then uncovering, you know, the path that you've sort of since created for yourself? Yeah, well, it was pretty crappy, to be honest. It's like the first time that we actually are honest with ourselves and we feel into our hearts. It's like, you know, 25 years of, of emotionality stuck <laughs> in there. So it's kind of physically painful, yeah. actually, to feel I hired yeah. um some therapists and stuff. And, and really that was like a year of, of just, whoa, feeling emotionality, but it wasn't a ton. I was probably just scratching the surface of what I could really feel and my, where my intuition really was my sensitivity and all of that. Um, and, and so that transitioned into all of a sudden, I just started to see life differently because of the death experience. I was like, oh, okay, I don't want to yeah. live my life tired, overweight, whatever. And so actually that first nudge, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't even an intuitive hit into entrepreneurship. It was like, I, I started with a network marketing company that was based around fitness, right? And I was not healthy at the time because college, I like drank too much Jaeger in college <laughs> and ate too many burritos <laughs> in college. And I was not healthy. I used to be an athlete. So it was like a, and then as a teacher, yeah. just, you know, with no salary really to failure to survive, I just wasn't eating healthy. So I started this fitness business and as a, as a client, and then I became a coach in this network marketing company. And that wasn't intuitive. That was, I wasn't like, "Mm, I have this call. I must answer it. That was like, yo, I want to get healthy and I can help people too, if I'm doing it. So I did that. Right. And then that was like for a while, I did really well. I left my teaching job like six months later after starting it. And I just was really focused in it. And I would say the some of the catalysts for me in there was I, I started going to business seminars, investing in courses, um, hiring my own coach. Every dollar I made, I'd put back into my own development. So that was kind of a, a wash over a year or two. But here's where the intuition started, where I felt that calling was when I, I saw people having their own brands and their own businesses that weren't part of their network marketing, right? Because, you know, you meet so many mm-hmm. people going to these events. And I was like, oh, I need to do that. I'd rather do that. I can make more money that way. You know, that, that feels more like me. I can be more creative and individual with the business. So I got this feeling like, okay, I need to leave this network marketing company and do my own thing. And that took like six months to make that decision, even though that call was very clear because I was nervous, yep. you, had to, you know, confidence and all. I'm much more confident now than, than you know, I, I was in these, the first time I would do anything. I think you're not as confident. And so that kind of pulled me in this direction of, wow, I can really be a leader. I can really be an inspiration for people. And, and so that, that called me into a new level of, uh, sharing my message, sharing my truth and my own growth, obviously that came with that. And so that company was all around eating psychology, a little bit life coachy in there, but really helping women own their bodies, own their worth. So that's kind of the next step, which was still like five years ago. So it, it's been progressing a lot over the years, obviously. But that would I would say that was my first one where I was like, wow, I have these feelings. What do I do with them? Okay, mm-hmm. I want to make this step. And, and just kind of talking to myself and connecting my head and heart more. Yes. Oh, I love that. And I forget, I forget all the little similarities that we have because I also started out in network marketing in the fit, like the wellness industry as well. So it's, it's interesting. We are so like, it's so funny. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And we've shared, you know, our experiences of our own journey with healing our body and all of that, because that's such a huge thing for so many women. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, that's such a journey, but I think also, you know, like you, you mentioned, like you wanted to just get fit and healthy. And I think that that in and of itself, like 
was a call, right? Because you can't necessarily know, like you were being called into that, like you didn't necessarily think you were being called into your highest purpose, but there was still that nudge of, oh, I want to get fit and healthy. And so this thing feels like it answers that solution. And then it actually yeah, it ultimately turned right. out to be, exactly, it just felt right. So, and that's the same with me, with my network marketing. I knew I wanted a business, but I, I didn't know what it was and I didn't know what it would look like. And then this network marketing business kind of came into my lap and it was like, oh, I love health and wellness and I want a business. So let me look into this. And and then that eventually led me down, you know, my own path with my business too. So it's, um, I think it's important to note for you guys listening, it's not, sometimes the call doesn't feel like so crystal clear, like, oh, this is the way, this is the answer. It can be yeah, subtle. The, the like, heavens oh, don't part all the time, right? No. <laughs> you're not, not like, all, all of a sudden time. you're like, oh, I'm vibrating. I have full body chills. This is a yes. Like sometimes you're just like, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. That feels good. <laughs> Girl, like for real. And I think this is just so important to underline because if we, I know for me, starting my business, I waited at least like a year and a half, maybe two years, waiting for confidence, waiting for clarity, waiting for the, you know, this just fully knowing, you know, that it was going to be the way forward. And it wasn't until I just finally surrendered and got into this place, you know, where I realized, all right, screw it. I'm not going to let this fear be the reason why I don't start this and let me just figure it out that I actually started <laughs> yeah. to walk down the path. And, you know, I think it's, I'm yeah. sure you know too, right? Working with entrepreneurs, like you don't always have the crystal clear clarity. And and how how can we expect ourselves to have the confidence for something that we have never done? Like some people are like, oh, when I'm confident, I'll coach. Or when I'm confident, I'll start my business. Well, you've never done it. How are you going to be confident? How are you going to be a confident swimmer if you've never been in the ocean. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I, so. I think for me personally, I'm an overthinker, overprocessor, or maybe I'm, I would, yeah. you'd call it a high thinker, high processor, whatever. You don't want to label it as bad, but there we go. Nice because of my, it's, it's like my sensitivity. I, I feel everything. Yeah. I contemplating everything. It's like, um, if there's these dimensions that we're living in, it's like, I feel like I have 12 going all the time, but I'm just like feeling and processing. So for me, you know, making a decision could sometimes feel immobilizing too, even if you get those intuitive feelings and you get the call. So I just had to learn like, all right, if this feels good, this makes sense. I'm going to go for it. And and to kind of quarrel less around a decision because entrepreneurship, if we're speaking to that specifically, it's, you got to just take action. You got to go next thing, next thing, obviously Mm -hmm. be wise and check in. But I had to learn to not overanalyze or highly analyze everything before I trusted that intuitive hit as well. So to, to your point of whether it's confidence or just making the decision, I think sometimes we can stay stuck because yeah, we're waiting for this full body, like triumphant. Oh my God. Yes. And, and it's not a hell yes, it's a no. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes things are just stepping stones and you learn along the way and that's okay. Yep. I think we, we make everything so serious. Like, oh my God, this decision so serious. Like my about page, mm-hmm. it says this, like, or, or like I'm watching <laughs> this program, like this defines me. It's like, just not, not really like in the big scheme of the universe yep. and existence. Like it just feels big to you. So that's something I had to learn too, is I might get this intuitive hit or calling or whatever, but all right, just let's, let's test it out and see how we feel. We can let it go if it doesn't work. So just more fluidity and less Mm. attachment to things along the way as well. Yeah, that's huge. And I mean, even speaking to my, this and this podcast, like I started a podcast in 2015 and I did like two, like 12 episodes over the last, like the resulting five years. <laughs> and so like mm-hmm. Alexi, my, you know, our friend Alexi has been on my case, just like 
like I've been making this so big like I've been making it such a big thing to like get back going and like for some reason in my head it just feels like this big commitment and it's like whoa just scale it back like why why do we make things so dramatic you know we over dramatize things and make this can make you know mountains over out of molehills and just like taking that little action <laughs> and putting up and trying it because it's like oh you know I need to do it perfect it needs to look this way I need to have it exactly like this and it's like we're always going to get better at the things that we you know just are willing to take that action on even if it's imperfect but we all still fall into that trap right I mean we're human at the end of the day and and we want things to be done well and to represent ourselves well but yeah being willing I think being willing to step into that space of uncertainty is my biggest uh, encouragement for anybody because I think that the more certain we feel like things need to be the less trusting that we are and the thing is is that life is inherently uncertain like I'm sure that when you started your network marketing business you would have no idea that your life would look like it does now you'd have no idea the iterations that your business would have taken you know like network marketing and then your body coat your body and uh, worth and wellness life coaching and now you know entrepreneurial coaching and now I know you're kind of obviously still in that space but also exploring new spaces and I think that not even I think I know that the iterations and the transitions and the changes are always going to come and so when we stand on that start line trying to figure out where we're going to be in five years the reality that we're actually going to be there is so limited but it can get so overwhelming that it makes us not want to take any any steps forward so describe a little bit and you don't have to go into too much detail but like how many iterations really has your business taken kind of over that time that's a great question I think that yeah yeah I think that's a great question I talk uh, I call it the pivot so most creative entrepreneurs it really depends on someone's personality type and like truly deeply like everything from their enneagram to their myers to their human design to their gene keys to just how they be in general but every personality of an entrepreneur or leader or whoever and just a human is different and so my personality and a lot of the people who i attract in my audience were more of the creative evolutionary visionary types of entrepreneurs and what that means is Mm -hmm. that what we're moved by, what we're excited by, what we want to share and teach with the world is going to change often. We're not the kind of people who, I have a fitness business 20 years later, I have a fitness business. Now, some people are like that and that's fine and good. It'll yeah. be a lot easier for them to monetize. Congrats to them, you know, but but for right, people yeah. like me or for folks like me, um, it's it can feel just gross to keep doing something that just you're not excited by anymore. It just feels so out of alignment that it's itchy Mm -hmm. and it just, it's almost like you just can't do it. So for me, I'm that kind of person. That's my personality. I, I want to share, teach, coach, mentor on what moves me. So the pivots have been many and I used to judge them and I'll tell you how many and what they look like, but I used to judge them as flaky. So I, when I first started, I would see these entrepreneurs and I would say, oh, that's so weird. She she started here. Now she's doing that. Now she's doing that. She's kind of flakier. She's just trying to go where the money goes. I, I had judgment on people mm-hmm. about it until mm-hmm. I experienced it. And then I was like, oh, I get it. She's just not interested in that anymore. And she's excited by this right. now. She's juiced up by this now. So I I at first didn't understand. And I, and I, I was afraid myself of probably being judged. So I judged others. And then then when I realized, oh, it's normal to pivot and change if I'm this archetype of person, which I am, then I gave myself that 
go past that permission pass to be to be able to thoughtfully with profit in mind with still being smart you know in mind shift and change so it's not like i would go from uh eating psychology to basket weaving right it's not like all of a sudden i'm like <laughs> i want to own a an auto dealership like i still needed to be yeah. for my situation really aware of finances i don't have you know, parents I can fall back on. I didn't have like a husband or boyfriend that could yeah. get my back. Like I was my provider always. So I had to be really mindful in these pivots to make sure that they still made sense for the audience I was building. So in a way I was creative and I fluxed inside of a, an organism of what would make sense. And also what was still in alignment with me. So at first it was fitness. So primarily food and, and fitness and workouts. Right. And then it, I lost 60 pounds and I was like, oh, it's not really about the weight. I'm still unhappy on the inside. <laughs> and so then right. that pivoted to eating psychology. I got certified as an eating psychology coach and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Um, and, and so that transitioned to female empowerment work around body, food. And then that transitioned naturally the pivot to life coaching and more of a different type of empowerment, uh, more spiritual, I would say. And then People were knocking down my door saying, can you mentor me in my business? I love the way you do marketing. I love the way you do sales. I love the way you write your copy for your social media. Nobody's teaching it like you. This was like, you know, four years ago. And I was like, I'm not a business coach. I had resistance because frankly, like all I saw everyone and their mother, I feel like it's a business coach these days, but back then there's, it still wasn't a saturated. And, and so I had this resistance because I thought, well, I don't want to be like, okay, let's talk about strategy. I didn't want to be this like loud Sherry V version of like a business mentor. Like I love Gary V, but I'm just making fun, like, yeah. like in your face, like let's go, you know? And I was like, eh. but then people kept asking me, I said, okay, I'll show you my methods. I'll show you my strategies. I'll show you exactly what I do. They were duplicatable because if you think about it, I started as a business coach in network marketing because I grew a big team of people, mm -hmm. right? So I've been business mm -hmm. coaching since like the second week I was an entrepreneur, whether I called it yeah. that or not. So I, I knew yeah. I had to create these duplicatable systems that would work. So it came really naturally. People started getting crazy results. And I've been doing that for a couple of years now and scaled that to a million last year and so on. So I would say there were four key pivots along the way. And now I'm in what would I call my fifth big pivot um, into it's almost like, okay, abundance is here. Spaciousness is here. Let me redefine my identity, my values, my messaging, and what I care about now. So it's it's almost like I did all these things while I was learning and growing and helping others. Now I'm in a almost like, I wouldn't call it more mature. I'm just in a different layer of life or, or sequence, frequency, frequency of life where different things are important to me now. So it's been four so far. I'm in the fifth for pivot wise. Oh, I love that you're like, have a count on these. This is so efficient of you. <laughs> Such an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm just like, I would have no clue. I'm just flowing and changing and moving and well, pivoting. All well, you know what I noticed too, Em? I noticed that around, okay, so I've coached a lot and I've mentored a lot of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. who have consulting coaching type businesses and around six to eight months of being consistent with one program or product, people get haywire. They're like, I need to create something new. I need to create something new. So I would have to help them make sure that their foundational profit of that program was good. They scaled it. Each offer, people don't realize each offer, each program is its own business. 
You need to complete it. Make sure it runs on its own. Make sure that the marketing, the sales, the lead generation, the client delivery, everything is good for that product before you move on to the next. I mean, if profit's your goal, if financial security is your goal, I'm assuming it is. So so people don't realize that and they just want to create new, create new because they have the same archetype as me. I made these mistakes. Now I can tell people, listen, don't create all this stuff. Make sure one thing is good to go. I know it might not be the most fun scaling it and making sure it's good but you're going to thank me later. And the creativity will come from more of a deep non-scarcity place because your money will be good. So I noticed that six to eight month mark, people start going crazy and they're ready to pivot, but sometimes they don't do it smart and they just let the old program or product kind of just go. And then they, they're freaking out about the new thing because they need to make that money back. So that's what I know the pattern to be timeline wise too. Maybe that's why I'm good at the pivots. I just had this conversation with so many people. It's like, I, yeah. I just kind of know, know the flow of what happens. No, I love that. And I, I love, you know, I think that's something you do see as a coach in terms of you see the patterns, you know, because when you're kind of mm-hmm. doing your own thing, it feels very individual. But when you have that higher view, where you work with so many people, you can kind of see, oh, this is, you know, this is a very human kind of character trait, or especially when you're working with entrepreneurs who are very uh, shiny ball syndrome, you know, because we are committing to creating lives that we really care about. And so when that changes and that shifts, then it's natural that the things we want to create are going to change and are going to shift. So it's always nice to kind of know that you're not kind of crazy, that people are going through Yeah, you're not things. flaky, you're not crazy. Yeah, it's right. just normal. And so I want to just kind of underline quickly as well in terms of you mentioned like starting business coaching when you did your network marketing business because I think, you know, same with me, like I think sometimes what entrepreneurs or people that want to create businesses or just people that want to really understand what they're really great at too, I think that there's often threads. You know, I think sometimes it feels like, oh, I'm taking this pivot and so I'm starting totally at zero with like no skills or no experience. And I really believe that, you know, there's a weave and I think, you know, Oprah calls it a thread, right? That weaves in between everything that we do to really show our inherent skill set and what we're really passionate about, you know, like with you starting your business and becoming a business coach, but you already had been business coaching when you first started your business and your network marketing and, and all of the things that you had already skilled at doing that you then brought into your new business that will then take you with you to the next thing that you do. And it's the same with, with mine, with, you know, building community and throwing events and business coaching and speaking on stages when I was doing my network marketing business. And then that wove into my next thing that was events and speaking. And then that wove into this thing I do now, which is coaching and events and speaking. And so there's these similarities. And I think we're always getting trained into and, and inducted into that next thing. And I share that because I want people to really remember and know whether you've been in a job your whole life or whether you and you're wanting to start a business or you're in a business and you want to start a new one, know that you're not starting at zero. Like there's threads and there's skills and there's expertise that you're bringing with you regardless of if the thing you're about to start next feels totally new. Um, So just kind of wanted to underline that point because I know it can get scary for people Mm -hmm. to feel like, oh, I'm not bringing anything with me into this new endeavor. I dig that. I, um, you know, one thing too that I've I've noticed about that is I'm I'm starting to see the discernment between I'm good at this and this is a skill that I've been doing from square one versus I actually really like doing this and this is a skill that I've been oh, doing girl. from square yeah. one because I'm <laughs> I fall into this patterning. I've noticed that I do what I'm good at and and it might not be what I'm I love the most. So what I've realized is, hey, I might be really good at this, this, and this but does it light me up like this, this, and this? So like for me, randomly, it's like writing. I love writing. Like I just, I want to be the next Paulo Coelho. You know what I mean? But like, I just love writing. So it might not be like the coaching has been the whole time, but that might not light me up as 
writing has been always the thing. So it's also great to discern if you have the time and space to contemplate, what am I naturally good at that I just do because I'm good at? And what do I do that I just love that's been the through line? So that's something that I've noticed has been really helpful. And what do I want to take with me on this next step? Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, because I think as well, sometimes as entrepreneurs, it's, it's we get to be paid for the things that we love too. Because I think sometimes people are like, oh, but I love this and I'm really good at it. And like, oh, but should I get paid well for that? It's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. <laughs> it's kind of the point of Yeah, you get to just naturally. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to be so hard. I'm in this season of right. redefining my values and my identity a- along the way, like deeply, like more than I'm always uh, like changing and shifting, but this feels like a big, big guy. And one of the ones I keep writing down um, for just a truth is, you know, making a lot of money doesn't have to be hard. Like it really doesn't have to. I believe in work. Mm. I don't think you should just sit on your couch and manifest your vision board. I think you need to work masculine, feminine combo pack, you know, yin yang and all that. But it doesn't also have to like burn you out or make you feel miserable. So just know that those inherent talents, like you just said, Em, those those don't have to feel like work. They can be fun and playful and like just light you up and you can make money from that too. I think that's a great point. Yeah, I love that. So let's dive into this new delicious pivot that Libby Crow is in that is all about, you know, this introspection and this redefining, like you said, the, the money is here, the, the abundance is here, the space is here, the, you know, you've gotten to a really beautiful place and, and you're in this redefinition of your identity and what it, what it is to be living in your life these days. So share with us a little bit about, you know, that process. I know when we caught up the other day, we're diving into, you know, gene keys and hypnosis and like all of these amazing magical things. So talk to us a little bit about what, what that process is for you right now. Yeah, at first it was really, really bad. <laughs> So, so what happened is I <laughs> all of my Libby's beautiful uh, unfoldings <laughs> start with pain. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't that the truth? So I I just didn't know what to do with myself because I'd scaled my company where I worked maybe three four hours a week, and I had never had that much time and space and abundance, and I just didn't know what to do with myself because I had literally on a deep core level associated my worth with what I do and accomplish. So if you imagine, you know. I sleep eight, nine, 10 hours a night. So that's, I don't know, say, we'll just say 14 hours of each day. What do I do? So I went a little stir crazy. Some people would say, just luxuriate in the time and space. I'm like, no, (laughs) like I'm going crazy. My nervous system was just- I don't know how to do that. Yeah, I don't know how. I thought I did. Massages, self-care, whatever. But really those were still things I was doing. You know, I didn't actually know how to sit still in silence literally not, not meditating, just literally sit there. So my nervous system was going 5,000 miles per hour, probably since second grade. And I finally realized it in this space I had. And what happened is my adrenal fatigue hit. It's like my body was able to get out of fight or flight and my body just shut down. So I was really miserable because I had all this time and space. I was really tired, didn't know what to do with myself. My mind was going crazy. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel deserving. I didn't feel lovable. I didn't feel significant or important because I wasn't doing anything. And so it was, I was kind of gnarly. And then uh, that led me into studying like what we were talking about on the beach the other day, Gene Keys, which has been transformative. It's a really great evolutionary kind of coding system and process to work with for for your individual soul path. And um, I work with like a Gene Keys mentor for it. There's a book on it. And 
And that's really been impactful. But also this permission that my husband Scott has given me to just relax and receive and, and just to having conversations with friends like you about you know, turning into the feminine more. It wasn't by choice. It was like my body just kind of made me do this. So (laughs) in the last, what is it, July now, almost a year, maybe nine months, uh, I've had this experience of, geez, what's on my agenda today? Nothing. Maybe a podcast interview, maybe a friend date, like, and just not judging that. So when I say I'm redefining my identity and values, what I noticed is that I've been so hard on myself and I've set up all these rules for myself like uh, and identifying values like uh, I'm more lovable when I make more money or uh, people want to be around me when I go to events and I'm connected or uh, whatever. So things like that I've realized have been kind of my guiding compass. And I thought that they were good and fine. Like I, I didn't think they were wrong. Like like you just don't because they seem to be serving, right? And they do to a certain point until they don't. And so now I'm really looking at a deeper, more loving way at at kind of how I've rigged my whole life and and the way I am with myself and realize that it's it's been often based off pressure and proving Mm -hmm. and pushing. Mm -hmm. And I, I really didn't realize that that was toxic because it was benefiting me. I was helping people. I was making money. I was evolving. But the core vibration of that was was not actually chill and loving. It was it was still the hamster wheel vibe, you know, and the hamster proving <laughs> that it was good enough and all of this. So <laughs> I've I've been dismantling my whole identity over here casually. <laughs> And it's, 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 really not been, it. it's really not been <laughs> fun at all. And I would say that I've always doing this since I started to wake up. And and it's just the deeper level I feel like right now because I'm not in the doing. I'm really in the being. And I would say it's not balanced right now. I'm not an equal doer beer right now. I'm way, way hardcore in the beer and being and relaxing and receiving and experiencing Mm -hmm. what it's like to not have a full schedule. And I've never had this and it's not, it doesn't always Mm -hmm. feel good to me because I love creativity. I love service. I love doing things, you know, but it's healthy for me right now. So I would say that my pendulum is swinging from in a different way to peace, to silence, to stillness. And and really at a cellular level, nervous system, biohackery level, looking at my programming that I've had since I was a little nugget and and choosing consciously where I want to walk, what rhythm moving forward. So it's been really deep, kind of isolating feeling at times and very powerful phase that I'm in right now. Mm, I love that. And you know, I'm always available for the being and the play and the space if you ever need to feel not lonely. I love that that about you. (laughs) Yeah. I think that was one of the first things that we connected on at a, at Mm. a friend's birthday dinner. It's like, Hey, we're, we don't have to like be hardcore all the time. It's actually okay to relax. And I think I knew that and maybe I would embody it in small ways, but I would say I'm embodying it in like a very, uh, full way now to to maybe fully experience what that's like, and I think I need my nervous system, my body, my experience needed that. 
Yeah, and I'm proud of you because the thing is, it's not it's not easy, especially I think living in a city like LA, where we both are, where the modus operandi here is push, create, do, be more, wealth, all the things, right? That's just like the the general through line I think of a lot of you know people come here to pursue their dreams, and so kind of just being content to, and not just being, but being content with experiencing and and dropping in and being really present, and you know I sometimes struggle with this conversation too because I'm such a doer that's my complete modus operandi I mean I think most entrepreneurs are but you know anyone who's really committed to creating results in their life generally you know I think we've been in that mentality of you've got to push you've got to drive to create that and I think we are you know I truly think 2020 is calling in a different energy a different reality for a lot of us I feel like a lot of us are in transition and a lot of us are finding out the way that we can have more of it that doesn't have to be the business or the life you know the 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 creation or the play um and finding out how those work together but it's it can be confronting so you know I honor you for doing the work and for to to find out that new way of how to show up in the world that really feels holistically healing and and delicious and I think that we have to kind of swing the other way when like you say for you know 25 years we've swung the pendulum one way and showed up in the world one way Sometimes we had, I mean, especially when you're, I mean, I'm an extremist, so it's usually an all or nothing kind of thing. I've got to swing all the way the other way. To, I'm learning to, to be in the gray it. area. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. Right. I, yeah. And mm-hmm. I think for me too, if anyone's listening and they're trying to be in more stillness and silence and they know that that nervous system is just, you know, sometimes I use sounds instead of words because it's easier. Um, I, I would say that Oftentimes, visionaries, if that's your more archetype, are great thinkers, contemplators, philosophizer like type type people. And I'm realizing that that's more me, and that actually feels much better than kind of this generator worker um, vibe that also a lot of maybe manifesting generators have in human design. They have that visionary plus the doer. For me, I'm realizing I just like to contemplate and think and spend time just staring in nature and and existence. Wow, if we're an organism and we're part of a small cell, maybe the moon is like our lung and the sun is like our heart. Like just thinking, a lot of the best ideas and and creative ventures come from that time and silence. So if you're working on that, just know that maybe your magic will happen when you practice that stillness and silence. For me, I know it really is. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up. I I actually was speaking to Lex the other day because I'm kind of in between places here right now and want to really get out and explore a little more of California and was going to kind of get up and go into the mountains and, and was sort of saying to Lex like, Oh, I kind of feel like I should be here sort of working on things. And, you know, I'm in a transition right now where I'm exploring what I want to, you know, really throw myself into next. And, and it felt like, you know, I had a moment in my head where I was like, oh, going into the mountains or going away is like a sideline thing. Like a, I should actually like taking time off from what I should be doing. And she's like, that's probably where it will come, you know? And I think that's really part mm-hmm. of the this holistic way of living is trusting that when you're honoring what you're being called, right? Answering that call. Like if you're being called into getting out of the city or you're being called into stillness, like when you're being called into a meeting or an event or whatever, it's it's honoring that and knowing that even though it might not make logical sense based off of like the way that you've created things in the past, maybe there's some magic in that that is going to show up for you. Um, 
because it doesn't always make Hell, sense. Yeah. You know, it can be. Hell yeah. yeah it can be one little conversation, <laughs> was, like one little. Oh, yeah. yeah. You go. You I'm go. just thinking like my body all at once is the redwoods and to be in the woods and to be yes. in silence. And Scott and I. Scott I was in the husband, redwoods. Guys, just yeah. Yeah. It's. That is for Stunning. me, like I'm more of a woods yeah. person than ocean. And I keep telling Scott, mm-hmm. I'm not being called to the Redwoods. I'm being like screamed and beckoned to go to the Redwoods. Drag. And I think that Drag. all the noise pollution and the energy pollution and like mm-hmm. just the collective doer feel is really impacting impacting my highly sensitive soul. And so I think that sometimes we can wait. Like for me, I've been waiting. I know I need to, I mean, I love my street. It's beautiful. It's pretty quiet for Venice and all this, but I, I'm being called. And so I think sometimes there's a gap between the calling and the action. And I love trying to shorten that gap, but also not rushing Mm -hmm. something and just doing out of scarcity and like needing, but I, I I'm with you on like, okay, here's the call. Why don't I just go for it? It might not make the perfect sense, but if this is, if it's in flow, if it, if it feels right, I probably should do it. So for me, it's about shortening that gap between the feeling and the calling and the taking the action. Yeah. God, I love that. I love it. Yeah. The shorter the gap, I think, can, between, like you said, being responsible, but also the shorter the gap can be between the call and the action is, I think, where the power is because, you know, like the that's where we get the feedback, where we get the information to continue to know what our next step is rather than kind of waiting for, for more clarity. I yes. want to. That's where your body speak. will feel better and, and you're, you'll get more downloads and all the things. Okay. Sorry. I'm interrupt you. Yeah. No, no, girl. It's a back and forth thing. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about, um, cause I know that you are really passionate about your, really love your animals and you're also really passionate, passionate about, you know, service and philanthropy, which obviously I love that about you. I think service is such a, uh, I think it's a responsibility for those of us in the positions to be able to create and provide that. And I know that you're passionate about that as well. So maybe speak to, you know, your thoughts on being of service of, you know, philanthropic efforts or, you know, advocating for the things that you really care about. Is there anything that comes up for you around that? Yeah, tons. I mean, for the longest time, I saw my business as just a bridge for philanthropy. Now I see it more as an integrated part, not really the bridge. I would say just just part of the the whole organism of the business. Um, So when I first started, I would do these things called good, good hearted miracles. I just made it up and I would just help people in need, whether it's a homeless person in my neighborhood, or if I was on an international travel, if I saw and met a family, I would support them or whatever in the ways that they need. So at first I started doing that. Then I um, moved into, I guess, more organized or structured um, philanthropy with Virgin Unite, Richard Branson's nonprofit. And, Mm -hmm. um, the, a lot of the money that I donated helped kids, helped women, um, and I was able to support a lot of people with my my bigger donations. And now, um, and we talked about this on the beach too, I've been really feeling, okay, what moves me the most when it comes to mm-hmm. the planet and helping the planet? You know, people have their sectors. There's prison, there's Absolutely. Pachamama, there's animals, there, you know, is like uh, there's probably like hundreds of sectors and for me mm-hmm. animals are, are my thing like that with what moves me most especially dogs but animals in general and, and so has I started a very to think cute little dog. <laughs> I have a long-haired wiener <laughs> dog cutest dog in the world he actually the vet came over <laughs> to our house cute. this morning to do a catch-up and he's resting right by me from the trauma no our vet's great he just always gets oh. freaked out so anyway dogs are yeah. my thing right and so now I'm moving into more of a how can we teach people empathy w- when it comes to 
their pets? And then also, how can we, uh, you know, like in China, there's that whole festival where they eat golden retrievers and they just like breed golden retrievers to eat them. So like, how can we provide education around that and more empathy and save these dogs or help people shift into more empathy? And um, I guess that's projecting that my way of thinking about animals is um, different or better, (laughs) but I do, I'm just an animal person. So that's how I feel. So for me now, my philanthropy is moving more towards animal rights and, and animals being treated well, whether that's the chicken that you're eating not having to be pumped with crap and and caged in its own poop its whole life to actually saving dogs that are just like so innocently getting tortured and murdered all over the world. So for Mm. me, I've really found through different testing, different parts of giving back, like what moves me most in its animal and animal rights. And, and so I'll be integrating more of that in my model. I think a lot of the times systemic change happens slowly, obviously. So it's just getting educated. Okay. What is this organization up to making sure they're legit and then integrating the giving back into sharing with your audience or in your own profit model? Um, this has been really important uh, for me because we're all here together on this really small spinning ball of mass. And I think we should we should actually always be thinking about that. I think where where people get tied up is they think that they need to make all this money before they help others. Mm-hmm. And that's not always true. You can integrate it from the start. You can create social change from the the start and have a social change type of flavor to your business. And I also think it is important, though, to take care of yourself then take care of your family, then your community, Mm -hmm. then the world, like maybe start in small circles. Uh, But you don't have to wait until you're a millionaire, billionaire to, to help. You can do it now. And it might not be with money. It could be just with service. Yes, girl. So many reasons why I love you. And, you know, I, I want to share, yeah, the, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not obviously, but I'm a huge advocate for, um, you know, being of service, obviously just coming back from this trip that we, a group of us, a uh, lot of, you know, people that you know as well, um, to this maximum security prison and, you know, being involved with some amazing women here, just really committed to, to giving and being of way more impact. And I have to say that for me in my life right now, that the, times when I'm being actively of service, the times when I'm advocating and being, you know, essentially kind of activating for social change and for for matters that I really believe need attention, I feel the most alive. Like I, and I did the, you know, this was part of my TED talk around the things that move us and using our, our voice and our, our, our influence and our time here to make a difference to the things that break our heart. And the thing is, is that it can be so big and so heavy that I think that, you know, like I was just in a supermax prison thinking about you know, prison reform and criminal justice and inequalities in the system. And that is a huge conversation right here in the United States mm-hmm. and so easy to be overwhelmed by. Same with animal cruelty. And so like the conversations mm-hmm. are so big that I think sometimes it can feel so easy to feel overwhelmed and insignificant in terms of the impact that can be created. And I just want to share with anyone, it's the, the, the beauty is, is that everybody has a very different, you know, um, drivers very different things that we're moved by and so when we are moved to create an impact I think that you know that is for those of us that can which I think is most of us 
it's really, you know, I do believe it's it's a it's a responsibility of privilege to be able to create an impact, to be able to lend to lend our voice in the ways that we can. And that doesn't mean, like you said, you don't doesn't mean millions of dollars. It doesn't mean it could be an hour a, a week somewhere or an hour a month, or it could be sharing on your social media something that really moves you. Just because the thing is, is that people's passions create change. So people like Libby advocating, like you advocating for, you know, I already love animals and I'm already all about that. But like. It, people educating on these issues creates awareness and creates, you know, with awareness comes power and with an influence. So I think it's really knowing that the things that really move you, you can create an impact in the world. You can create change. And I think also speaking to your point, Liv, about, you know, making sure that you take care of yourself. You can't create impact or change for anybody if you can't create it for yourself. So, but there is also an ability to weave that in whilst you're building what you're building to look after yourself. There's many ways that we can also share and contribute to the things that we want to see be different. Yeah, I was going to say too, and oftentimes that give back work or integrating social change into your model fuels your creativity even more. So it's kind of not like they're separate. Ah. They become almost like one compartment of awesome and it's almost like one fuels the other. So it's not like my business and this give back thing or my business and volunteering. It can really be integrated in a beautiful way that creates more catalysts between the two. Definitely. And I think also when it speaks to like, you know, answering the call, for example, like this work that we're doing now in the prison is never, I mean, I've always was curious about being in the prison, but it was never like, oh, I'm, I'm a passionate crusader for advocating and for, against criminal justice or criminal reform. Like that was never something that happened. But that what I saw and experienced when I went into these, this prison and again, went just over on the weekend is just this humanity, right? And is this, mm-hmm. is the, the situations that have gotten these men into these, into the system, the injustices, the inequalities. And that's really a part of a system. That's a piece of the system we're all a part of. And it could just as easily be me or any one of my friends in that situation, considering what many of these people have gone through. And it's a deepening of the human experience. It's an expanding of empathy, of compassion. And there's absolutely no way that having that experience doesn't impact every single other area of my life. And and even the people that we went with and the relationships that were built and the collaborations that were likely come and you know we're putting a film together and who knows where that leads and I think that's you know for me that's really about what answering the call is about is trusting that what is pulling your heart forward is pulling your heart forward for a reason and that could be service or philanthropy or business but knowing that it's all woven into I believe really pulling you forward towards the best and the and the, and the most that you can be and the most that you can experience in this life. Uh, and I think service and philanthropy and human connection in that way and, and being is such a crucial piece of fulfillment because money is great and achievement is great, but we all know that that's not the be all and end all um, of life, right? Yeah. I mean, life's so weird, right? We're, we're these <laughs> mammals rolling around, putting clothes on, putting stuff on our face and stuff. Like it's so weird. And we're all like, <laughs> We're all together, but we're all having these separate thoughts and feelings around certainty and hope and why we're here. Mm -hmm. And we're all just trying to usually do the same things, like not feel, not feel crazy, have love, Mm -hmm. feel nourished, have health or wellness, right? And be able to have some kind of freedom. And, And yet we're all often feeling so separate. So I think that we're, I'm grateful so grateful to be living right now in this time where the internet is connecting all of us and we're able to ex- like see what someone else is experiencing and and their kind of corner of the mm-hmm. world or whatever and we're able to be like whoa it's just opening everyone's eyes up to this moving from humans 
and like mammals to humanity to one organism. I think we're getting closer. I think it can be so easy to feel like we aren't because if you watch the news, yeah. you're really feeding your your mind and your psyche with toxic trauma, you know, crap versus mm-hmm. if you look out your window, most people are pretty good. Like they're trying to help each other out. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I, I think that it's important. I think this work is the most important besides the work that you do, you know, on yourself with yourself, because, Hey, yeah. we need each other and, and we can be there for each other in, in the subtle ways and the massive ways. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, we're coming to the kind of wrapping time of this beautiful, juicy conversation, my love, but I'd love to share um, what is, because obviously entrepreneurship is one of your your expertise and your skill sets and your excellences. What is a couple of pieces of advice that maybe you would give to someone who's at early stage idea or early stage business, or even at any stage of the business, maybe it's kind of more of an umbrella idea, tips or advice for someone wanting to explore and expand their entrepreneurship? Yeah. The very first thing is know what you actually want. So your version of success, Mm. your version of Mm. profitability, your version of whatever is going to look way different from your mentors, from your coaches, from, you know, Lauren on Instagram or whoever, right? So it's one of the mistakes that I made that I see happen often is that people are making other people's goals and visions their own without even knowing it. So get really clear on what you want and have no judgment about that. If if $5,000 a month is what you want, don't put $50,000 a month. That's someone else's goal. So be really clear and honest with yourself sans judgment about what success looks like to you. And then you'll be able to reverse engineer from there because it's yours, not someone else's. Don't let someone else convince you to make their goals yours. So that's the first thing, mm-hmm. um, no matter where you're at, starting or not. Yeah, you know, I was years yeah, in before I realized I was making everyone else's goals my own, you know? And, and then yep. secondly, I would say if your goal is profitability, if your goal is freedom and you're more of like a personal brand, you just got to be really consistent with sharing your message every day. I would say, Make sure if you're using social media platforms, sharing educational content, authoritative type content where you're teaching something is very important. Sharing behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. sharing your personal stories or random stories that are relevant to your message, making sure that you are building your community uh, and making people feel included in your corner of of the internet um, and sharing inspirational type content, these different types of content, just sharing them really consistently. Um, And then another thing I would say is if you have a platform where you're selling a course or your group coaching program or your one-on-one consulting, don't be afraid to make offers. Again, I'm, I'm assuming that profitability and service are some of your goals. One of the biggest things if someone isn't making the money they want is they're not making the offers that they need to. And people yeah. can be awkward panda about making offers because they don't want to sound oh, salesy. Right? And so don't be afraid to share what you have consistently every other day. If that makes you feel weird, twice a week, you know, half the people will never see what you post, maybe 10% will. Yeah. So just remember that you might feel like you're posting a lot, you're selling a lot, but most people won't even see it. By the seventh eighth time, they might understand what you're actually offering. We assume that people are yeah. so stuck on our content. It just feels like that because we're the ones creating it. So so those are some okay. like success and then social media consistency and then sales specifics. And then I would say the third thing is, or the fourth thing would be 
make sure that what you're doing actually feels good. If you started coaching, but you're like, I really just want to teach and create a course and not have to talk to people. That's okay. If you, you know, if you opposite, if you've been doing courses and you're like, I really just want to help people. That's okay too. There's no right or wrong way to do business. There really isn't. Do what feels good to you. What works for you. Of course, there's deep strategy on each thing. And I could go in and tell you what would make most sense for you if I had an, an individual time, you know, with each person, but but what feels good to you and what you care about is going to succeed way more than what makes sense or what someone might be telling you to do. So just make sure that you're following the call and that inner compass of, you know, this feels draining to me or this feels energizing to me. Uh, just really pay attention to that along the way and craft your offers or your services around what's life-giving uh, because that's what will sustain you along the way. So those are some some kind of maybe macro tips that could help. Beautiful. Yeah, and I th- thank you. And I think that that last one is the most important in the sense of, yeah, because it kind of links in with the first in terms of just creating success on your own terms, because this is the whole point we get into entrepreneurship and creating a business generally is to create a life that feels free and, and full of passion and enjoyment. And if the business that we've put in the place to create that is not giving us that, then you know we need to look at that and make sure that it's something that we're experiencing on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis and because again that's answering the call if the call if you're being shown that you're not in joy and you're not loving what you're creating and you're being called into other things that is what answering the call is is acknowledging and and sometimes it can be inconvenient but it's also that's what life is about is I genuinely believe is to be happy and to be creative and to be in service and happiness is a huge signal (laughs) it's not something that we should wait until some day to experience it's a it's a guide that if it's not there present then something needs to be shifted and you know I I share that from my own experience from pivoting so much I'm like a woman woman over here because there's been so many times where I did what made sense or what made me money versus what actually felt good so and and of course I was trying to do that because I was going after the success goals that weren't even my own. So it all kind of comes together. And I love that happiness is one of the best indicators of success. And mm-hmm. it's not always going to be easy. Entrepreneurship is a hardcore roller coaster ride without a seatbelt, without any safety um, mechanisms on the roller coaster. And it's just on your period, it kind of feels like period week the whole time, because there's just so many decisions and emotions and everything. And so happiness yeah. might not always be there. And typically you want to check in with yourself and make sure that it's a foundation of what you're doing for sure. I love that. Yeah, totally. And it might not be happiness. Maybe it's excitement. Maybe it's fulfillment. Maybe it's joy, but like, you know, positive vibing emotions should be present and, you know, because life is now and anyone who's lost something, you know, like you and I with losing our dads and having that experience of knowing life is too short to put things off, to wait until some, some later time to live your dream, to answer the call, to make the call, to build the business, to do any of the things it's, it's now, now is the only time. And it's also the only time to, to feel what we really want to feel. And, and it's happiness and joy is not generally a metric of success in life in the mainstream world. And, you know, I really want to challenge that and know that, like, at the end of the day, if you make $200,000 in your business instead of $2 million, but you're the happiest person you've ever been, instead of stressing and, cre- and going crazy to create the $2 million, then I think that the happy- success really is the person that's the happiest, that's happy with what they've created and is living their life in a way that really feels aligned for them. Uh, and that's, that takes courage to 
to challenge that mm-hmm. that status quo. Mm-hmm. We all that's that, that's the juice that. right there. And that's the juice. That was brilliant. And it's it's just true whether you believe it yet or not. I think it takes some work yep. around money stories, but I I think that's that's the hundred percent juice. No judgment, whatever success looks like to you. You gotta feel good, gotta keep that joy flowing. And it means your life. Life's happening right now. It doesn't have to be a miserable yeah. trip to get to some end point that you might not even want to get at. So, so yeah, it's like right. the kind of the path along the way is important to check in with yourself, make sure it's still feeling right. Yes. Love that. All right, baby. What are you feeling the most grateful for in your life right now? What's giving you love and joy and gratitude? Mm. <sighs> I feel so grateful uh, for for my husband in, in the current moment, mm-hmm. he's just so supportive, so loving. He's my best friend and mm-hmm. he just, he just provides you me guys a safe, safe container and a safe space. Thanks to, to have my process. He's just so steady. He's like a steady flowing river yeah. and I get to kind of uh, have all these emotions and then go up and down and, you know, be, be <laughs> whoever I am. And, and he's just my steady mm-hmm. rock. I'm just so grateful for that. I think, most of my life, I would do everything on my own and very independent. It's really nice to work on interdependence mm-hmm. and have that. Yeah, I'm so grateful for that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm over here manifesting my Libby and Scott love story. So <laughs> you already know yeah, that. I'm manifesting <laughs> it for you. <laughs> Your guy's yeah, coming girl. in hot. I can feel it. He's in the realm. <laughs> Definitely in the realm. <laughs> Learning a lot in the, in the pursuit and the process of that as well that I'm grateful for, even though sometimes mm-hmm. in the moment I'm not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, sweet angel. Well, firstly, thank you so much for being here and being so open and honest and just beautiful and the work that you do in the world. You know, I just absolutely adore adore you and um let us know you know who is the best person to reach out and connect with you obviously anyone that loved and wants to be inspired on the daily but you know who who is who is the fit for you over at Libby Land and where is Libby Land and how can we get even up more in your grill <laughs> thank you for having me I love you, <laughs> you know, from yeah I love you dearly and deeply and your your wisdom and your deep understanding of kind of the workings of humanity and leadership are just really profound. I'm so grateful that you're podcasting more and that we're friends. Uh, Thanks for having Mm -hmm. me on. And yeah, it's so funny. You mentioned Libby Land. This girl on Instagram said, can we make Libby Land a real place? Like it'd be like the upgraded Disneyland. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, So yeah, everything would be so (laughs) fun. It'd be like Gene Keys and tarot readers and hypnotists (laughs) and fucking- Best time ever. It's a great Yeah. Oh my gosh. So everything's at Libby Crow, like the bird. And yeah, if you're the leader of your own life in all areas, I think you'll love it. And if you're evolutionary and you're in Emily land, you'll, you'll for sure dig Libby land. It's a, it's a good time. It's a good keeping it real. It's like soul, soul spice and sunshine kind of combo pack. So all the different little nuggets there. It's a, it's a good time. So come say hi to me. I'm most active on Instagram at Libby Crow. Yeah. It's definitely a good time, well worth going over and uh, becoming part of Book your trip. the land. Book your trip over to Libby Land. Land. Book your trip to Libby Land. Get a season's pass at Libby Land. <laughs> um, all right, sweet thing. Well, I'm going to let you go and just go and enjoy your spacious, delicious luxur- luxuriation. And um, I love you and I will see you soon. And thank you for everyone for listening and tuning in. Bye, guys. 
Well, I hope that you loved that conversation with Libby just as much as I enjoyed having it with her. As you can see, she is a powerful woman in the world and just such a bundle of love and joy and definitely one that you should go over and check out. So make sure that you share any takeaways so that we can see what it is that you love and any takeaways that you get and make sure you tag both Libby and myself on Instagram so that we can share that and see what you guys are loving. And thanks so much for being a part of today's show. Now, as you hear the behind the scenes to success, I hope that you are as pumped and as inspired as ever to answer the call in your life and keep building your dream and your vision. If business is what you're dreaming of building and you need support in getting your idea to reality or scaling your vision into bigger domains, I would love to support you as an insider listener of the podcast. If you head to consciousboss.com forward slash insider, you will see ways to work with me that can take you from either startup to 5k months and then onwards to six figures and beyond. There's something for you no matter which stage of business you're at. You can check out all of the details as well as loads of testimonials from the hundreds of women who have been through the programs when you head to consciousboss.com forward slash insider. Not only that, but as a podcast listener, you are going to literally get these programs for 30% off. That discount is only available to you as a VIP insider listener of the show as my way of thanking you for being here and listening to the podcast. All you need to do is head to consciousboss.com forward slash insider, select your program and enter the code insider at the checkout and it's all yours. You'll also see how to work with me one-on-one if you want a little more hands-on attention in your business. As always, thank you for being here. I appreciate you being part of our epic community of people waking up, answering the call and creating lives of deep meaning and purpose. See you on the next episode.